And I'm Scott. And we are Fired Up, Ready to Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to week two of the podcast. We'd like to start off by apologizing. We're very sorry to our listeners. We had every hope and intention to make this podcast 15 minutes, but it is not our fault. We just want to say, in this world of Trump troubles, there is so much frigging news going on in this shit show. We have tried diligently, but we have failed. This week's podcast is longer. Maybe in subsequent weeks we'll be shorter. This week is longer. We're sorry. The good news is you can pause halfway through and pick it up later in the week. But we are also right fresh off the heels of our uh, July potluck party where we were very excited to have a, a good showing from our youngest members, our newest generation of voters. And we had a great strategy for them. We did not allow them to have any food or drink until they knocked out a couple action items, which we will discuss later in the podcast. One of which can be gleaned from our featured drink this month, which was postcard punch, both with and without. We also kicked off our uh, uh, meeting this week with a little quiz that Janine's going to tell you a little more about. So here's a couple of quiz questions that we asked, which today's podcast will provide the answers for. Number one, there were protests in London this week, and they flew a big baby Trump blimp. What was baby Trump blimp holding in his hand, a phone or a pacifier? Our next question is, Trump is rethinking his meeting with Putin after the announcement of the Russian indictments. True or false? Our next question, Trump said, quote, Putin is not my enemy. Hopefully someday he'll be a friend. It could happen, unquote. True or false? And lastly, did America support or oppose a resolution to encourage breastfeeding at the gathering of the World Health Assembly? We will find out these answers next. We hope that you made mental notes. And now to get us started, please meet the members of our group. Hi, we're here at the potluck, and we are fired up, ready to podcast! Woo! And now, domestic Trump troubles. So, Janine, let us talk about this week's lead story under the heading Domestic Trump Troubles, which was the Peter Strzok testimony in front of the Joint Committee of Congress where he was called out for the text messages that he shared um, expressing his opinion of Donald Trump and their assertion that his personal opinion um, meant that he was biased and he he brought that bias into his role as overseer of the investigation investigation of uh, links between the Trump campaign and Russia. It took over nine hours of grilling this guy. Right. But we will boil it down in hopefully a minute. (laughs) Because it, it was just utter BS to for the Republicans who will look under any stone to discredit the Mueller probe to assert that his personal opinion of this candidate, and he has many personal opinions. Right. He, he didn't like Hillary. He didn't like uh, Bernie. He didn't like Bernie. He didn't like 
O'Malley. He didn't like any of them. Right. Uh, but, you know, they will take this out of context to say that he was so singularly dismissive of Trump that he would bring that bias into his role in the FBI. And it was just utter BS. And create a witch hunt. A witch hunt uh, from his dark chamber within the <laughs> FBI. I really wanted him to say the only dark chamber in this whole government is the one that I'm looking at right now. Right. But unfortunately, he took the high road and really did a rather expert job of saying how everybody has political bias. Everybody has personal opinions. And they, in the FBI, the culture is, you leave it at the door. Right. And, and as a matter of fact, that's what he said you're asked to do in juries. You're asked to set your opinions. Can you set your opinions aside to evaluate the evidence? And, and likewise, that's what he has to do. That's what lots of people have to do in their professional capacities. And if you don't have proof that your bias influenced actions, then what are we talking about? Let's break that down for a second. What could he have done to exhibit how his bias would have influenced his professional role? Perhaps he could have leaked information about the investigation into links between the Trump campaign and Russia. Right, before the election. Before the election. But no, the only thing we heard about before the election was that the Hillary investigation was being reopened. That's exactly right. This next story is about the reunification of children who were separated from their parents at the border. The Trump administration failed to meet the deadline set by a federal judge to reunify children under five years old with their parents by July 10th. At this point, 57 children have been reunited and 46 have been determined ineligible. Some of those have been ineligible because their parents have been deported. And there are also a reported 2,500 children over age 5 who were supposed to be reunited by July 26th. The judge acknowledged that it is an enormous task, but it is a mess of the government and they really need to fix it. This is an absolute human rights violation uh, that has happened in our country. And it's a total cover-up, too. They're saying that these kids are ineligible to be reunited uh, with their parents for, you know, their magnanimous reasons of protecting the children, which is a crock because they've lost track of these parents. They're looking to to find any excuse uh, to justify why these kids cannot be reunited, and it should not be believed. And here's my question. So we were just this past week talking about the 100 or so under five kids Mm -hmm. of which, you know, 40 roughly are ineligible. And you say that there's another 2,500 kids over the age of five. Right. So how many of these kids are they going to be deemed uh, ineligible? Right. Because they have, they've lost track of those parents. Well, we have yet to see that disaster unfold yet. Right. The head of health and human services, Secretary Alex Azar, had the gall to say that his department was performing, quote, one of the great acts of American generosity and charity in its care of immigrant children. These kids are happy. They are loved. They are cared for. It is a compassionate environment. Clueless. Physician groups have criticized any practice of separating children from their parents as potentially causing lifelong damage. These families have been traumatized, and it hurts my heart to know this happened in our country because of this cruel and careless administration that thought this would be a good deterrent 
and just implemented a policy with no plan and no process in place. It's disgusting. It, it's Again, it's a con job. It is a con job. Right. This will all just be swell. This will just deter everybody. Right. And, what you know, who cares how it all unfolds? We'll put some fabulous lipstick on this pig and convince everybody that it is Sleeping Beauty. So, although this isn't the action of the day, I am begging people to use your resist bot, call your representatives, and let them know if you are as appalled by this as I am. We need to have some, and I did read they are getting a process in place, but we really need to pressure people to get this reunification done. We really thought that the retirement of Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy and the nomination of his replacement would be this week's lead domestic story. But just like Rachel Maddow always complains, the news just does not stop breaking. But here's what it comes down to. Kennedy's out, and the only acceptable nominee to replace him is Merrick Garland. But guess what? That didn't happen. Instead, Trump put forward Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not going to go into Kavanaugh's bio. He's conservative. Surprise. And... I will say, though, that with a 5-4 conservative majority, that body, the Supreme Court body, will be positioned to undo so many of the rights that we have taken decades to achieve, most notably the right to safe and legal abortion in this country. Also, Kavanaugh has previously stated that the Congress should pass legislation protecting our chief executive from being subject to an investigation, either criminal or civil, while in office. So imagine what music that was to Trump's ears and whether that had an influence on his decision to put, to put forth Kavanaugh's name. Well, <clears throat> all this begs the question, should a president currently under investigation have the right to nominate a Supreme Court justice? No. That, right. That may well later uh, be sitting in judgment on the very case that the sitting president is subject of. Many like Janine, would say no for all the good that does us now. Personally, I say that any justice should be immediately and retroactively recused from hearing cases of, for which the president that nominated that, him or her is subject to. So I want to be clear about something because my understanding is because Democrats don't have the votes, there's really not a whole lot we can do to stop this nomination from going forward other than protesting, calling, trying to slow it down in some way. Right. I mean, the, the Republicans have the majority. We, they now only require a simple majority to confirm a nominee. There are a couple of Republicans who might be swayed to vote with Democrats against this particular nomination. But ultimately, um, you know, it, it might get delayed right now. Our best and only, but supremely, pardon the pun, recourse we have for ensuring a fair and moderate nominee is confirmed to replace Kennedy is to vote in Democrats in November. So we got to vote. We got to vote. All right. That's what it comes down to. Okay. This next story on the Affordable Care Act was summarized for us by one of our potluck pals, Nancy. Thanks, Thanks Nancy. Nancy. A decision by the Trump administration to suspend billions of dollars in risk adjustments has caused turmoil for health insurers as they decide on premiums and health care plans for 2019. A New Mexico judge has found that the risk adjustment for the Affordable Care Act slash Obamacare was biased. Due to Trump's suspension, health advocacy groups are concerned that premiums will go up 
for all consumers, and there will be less choices for consumers, especially low-income consumers. They also believe that the Trump administration is purposefully inflicting chaos to stop the ACA. The Trump administration stated it was the Obama administration's mistakes. They are waiting for the courts to provide more clarity, and they have not stated any plans to correct the situation. Can I just say yes? that the Obama administration's mistake was to not have the foresight of seeing all the different ways that yes. the Republicans could sabotage this plan yes. so that they could then later say that, oh, it's not sustainable and is, is horrible. That's you know, right. It's all, it's all owing to their lack of sign-in because, uh, God forbid, Obama had anything constructive to do for our society. They were so determined to gut this thing, kill this thing, and when their plans failed time after time because the American people were having none of it, uh, and wanted their Affordable Care uh, Act, then now they're trying to just figure out any way they can go in and put the screws to it. Right. But they will convince just enough of them that they are the salvation. Honey, I'm sure they have a wonderful plan in place. Oh, you think so? Insurance for everyone, cheaply. All right. And now, Trump troubles around the globe. This next story is titled, The Opposition to Breastfeeding Resolution by U.S. Stuns World Health Organization by the New York Times. A resolution to encourage breastfeeding was expected to be approved quickly and easily by the hundreds of government delegates who gathered this spring in Geneva for the United Nations-affiliated World Health Assembly. Based on decades of research, the resolution says that mother's milk is healthiest for children and countries should strive to limit the inaccurate or misleading marketing of breast milk substitutes. Then the U.S. delegation, embracing the interests of infant formula manufacturing, upended the deliberations. American officials sought to water down the resolution by removing language that called on governments to, quote, protect, promote, and support breastfeeding, unquote. When that failed, they turned to threats. Ecuador had planned to introduce the measure, but Americans were blunt. If Ecuador refused to drop the resolution, Washington would unleash punishing trade measures and withdraw crucial military aid. Health advocates scrambled to find another sponsor, but at least a dozen countries, mostly poor nations in Africa and Latin America, backed off, citing fears of retaliation. Quote, We were astonished, appalled, and also saddened, said Patty Rundle, the policy director of the British advocacy group Baby Milk Action. What happened was tantamount to blackmail with the U.S. holding the world hostage. In the end, the Americans' efforts were mostly unsuccessful. It was the Russians who ultimately stepped in to introduce the measure, and the Americans didn't threaten them. Oh, okay. Well, you know where this all comes from, don't you? Citizens United. Because oh. these, these formula manufacturers are lining the pockets of you know, the right legislators mm -hmm. 
So now their voice, their interests need to be preserved on the international scene. Right, regardless of the impact on these poorer countries whose mothers can't afford uh, formula. And breast milk is the best and most economic choice right. so we're going for to be, families. We're going to be you know, uh, sending a message, an inaccurate message around the world to protect the interest of domestic infant for- formula manufacturers. I believe it's time for something. Oh. And now, a bit of moralizing and lecturing. Well, if this story doesn't demand some lecturing and moralizing, I don't know what story does. This Trump administration is even against breastfeeding. What what can we say? Except this is what I have to say. We watch The Handmaid's Tale, a very cheery little show (laughs) that deals with a miserable world uh, where America has somehow been taken over by the religious, conservative, right-wing fanatics, and women are reduced to having various roles and costumes where some of them are handmaids and some of them are just wives. And, uh, some are Marthas. Some are Marthas. If you're not watching it, it's a real drag. Yeah. But it's very well done. And you'll binge it. Right. However, uh, so, so the, the, the women who are the handmaids get to get impregnated by men. Whee! And have babies and then give up their babies Whee! to the wives. Right. And uh, it's a horrible story. But even in this dark, depressing tale... The Handmaid's Tale, breastfeeding is seen as a wonderful, glorious thing. And they're going through, jumping through all sorts of hoops to make sure that the baby gets the mother's breast milk, that she's pumping and providing the precious breast milk to the child. So the Trump administration has now sunk lower than The Handmaid's Tale. Take that in if you can. Janine, let's say a couple words about this NATO meeting this past week. Yes. So, Trump goes to Europe and immediately upon arrival insults countries, insults people, uh, foreign leaders. Um, probably, after being late. After being late. Right. Oh, he's holding everybody up at every right. turn. Because right. he's got to have these informal press conferences. Well, right. Where he makes assertions, false assertions, of convincing the Allies to up their defense spending to levels never before imagined. And that... Uh, particular assertion did uh, require a clarification from French President uh, Macron, who uh, came before the press to say, the communique is clear, it reaffirms a commitment to 2% in 2024. That is all. So basically, his bragging, Trump's bragging that he made everybody pay more and they all, you know, he wasn't going to pay 90% anymore, which was inaccurate to begin with. Uh, nothing really changed other than what was agreed to previously was going to be upheld. Right. So right. he goes in, breaks things, tries to fix them, and paint himself the hero for all the great work. Well, and that was after he also said that if everybody didn't pay more, America might have to go off on its own, do its own thing. Basically threatening our uh, alliance of 70 years. 
good it's a good thing that our allies are true diplomats who you know are able to uh, take his actions and, and roll with them and come out the other side because our representative to this alliance is a schoolyard bully. This next story is about the London protests, and it's from NBC News. The Trump baby blimp, (laughs) (laughs) cell phone in hand. I'm hoping that we could please get one of these for the Macy's Day Parade. That'd be fun. Maybe with a turkey baster Um, in the hand. Seasonally appropriate. That's right. Uh, The baby blimp was flown over the crowds in London, estimated to be 250,000 people protesting on a work day, Trump. Mm. Labor Party leader Jeremy Corbyn addressed the crowd saying, quote, We are asserting our right to demonstrate, our right to free speech, and our right to want a world that's not driven by misogyny, racism, and hate. 10,000 was the number of people who showed up to protest in Scotland today. Scotland. That's right. So they, all, all over they are protesting our president. What a guy. And now for your action of the week. A recent study has shown that sending postcards to voters is slightly more effective than canvassing. So we took that on as one of our action items for this month's potluck. It's easy to do. Simply go to postcardstovoters.org and register. And for our other action item... We wanted to make sure that all our college-age students had their absentee ballots. Uh, And so we have one of our college-age potluck members, Maddie, who's going to tell us how to do it. Maddie? Hi. So on my phone, I went to vote.org, and on the menu, I went to tools, where I had a choice of registering to vote, which I had already done, or getting my absentee ballot, which says it will take two minutes. It gives you the choice to send it to either your home or your college address, whichever works best. Thank you, Maddie. And now, what the hell is happening in the Russia investigation anyway? So what the hell is happening in the Russia investigation this week? Well, the Justice Department on Friday announced indictments against 12 Russian nationals. That's people who work directly for Putin as part of Mueller's investigation. They are accused of engaging in substantial efforts to hack Democrats' email and computer networks. The hacking targeted Clinton's campaign and some Democratic committees. The defendants corresponded with several Americans during the course of the conspiracy through the Internet. There is no allegation that the conspiracy altered the vote count or changed any election result. However, the Russian officers hacked the website of a state election board and stole information of about 500,000 voters. They also hacked into computers of a company that supplied software used to verify voter registration information. Hmm. So I'm not sure where that's headed, but at any rate, many Democrats are now demanding that Trump cancel the summit with Putin. And even a few Republican senators have begun to question the meeting. Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer said, quote, glad-handing with Vladimir Putin on the heels of these indictments would be an insult to our democracy. You think? 
unquote. The New York Times reported, reported the Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coats, gave a speech that as his predecessor, George Tenet, warned in the months ahead of the 9-11 attacks, quote, the warning lights are blinking red again, unquote. He's warning of an impending, potentially devastating cyber attack on U.S. systems and saying among state actors, Russia is the worst offender. He believes that we are at a critical point. The targets are diverse and include businesses, federal, state, and local governments, the military, academic and financial institution, and critical infrastructure. That is scary. Now, it's very scary. Let me get something straight. Yes. So these indictments were handed down this past week at the end of the week. Now, I don't know that you mentioned it, but my understanding is that they were... Um, Trump was advised that they would be handed down. Oh, he sure was. At the beginning of the week. At the beginning of the week. Yes. Yet, his conduct throughout the week leading up to the summit was not um, calling out the, uh, the Russians for their audacity, but really to pardon them, essentially, in looking forward to what he hopes will be a positive summit. Well, all week he screamed about, you know, uh, this being a witch hunt. This is just f pure nonsense, pure nonsense, this whole investigation. And then he had the, again, the audacity to talk about his meeting with Putin might be one of the easiest of his week of travel when he's meeting with our allies. And then he even said, oh, Putin is not my enemy. And he also said, Quote, hopefully, someday he'll be a friend. Well, it could happen. Maybe he will be Trump's friend, but Trump doesn't seem to recognize that Putin might not be his personal enemy, but he is America's exactly. adversary. adversary. And as the president, you are supposed to be defending us. You are supposed to be making sure that we don't get attacked by the Russians or anyone else. Well, and if we are... That we're not just making nice-nice. Well, I guess if they, we are and it's benefiting him, then nice-nice would be appropriate. So, at the end of the week, he called the investigation stupidity. Pure stupidity. Wow. This is after knowing that there were indictments coming. Well, you know what? That's great. It, it's, I'm really fine with that because the less he distances himself from these Russian actions then the more complicit he is proving himself to be. Well, that's true. Hold on to your hats, folks. That's all I can say. And now, for your inspirational quote of the week. If by a liberal they mean someone who looks ahead and not behind, someone who welcomes new ideas without rigid reactions, Someone who cares about the welfare of the people, their health, their housing, their schools, their jobs, their civil rights, and their civil liberties. Someone who believes we can break through the stalemate and suspicions that grip us in our policies abroad. If that is what they mean by a liberal, then I'm proud to say I'm a liberal. John F. Kennedy. Our second quote is, never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty. 
Never give in, except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Winston Churchill, who could also be seen in a wonderful movie called The Darkest Hour. Here, here. And that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week and tell all your left-leaning, but not very active friends about us. This has been a Common Production.